the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There are some believers who think that they are being persecuted for their Christianity when in reality they are persecuted for failure to live out their Christian faith. Folks like this tend to interpret every criticism directed at them as persecution for their faith. One time when Bob Hope received a major award, he said, I don't deserve this, but then I have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. When we find ourselves persecuted for our faith, it's always a good idea to make sure that it is really for our faith and not for our ungodly treatment of the people persecuting us. Thank you for joining us for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor Steve Kreloff is taking us a verse at a time through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Our text for this three-part lesson is verses 10 through 12. Over the next several days, we will be considering several aspects of persecution, including the forms it takes and our response to it. Let's open our Bibles now and put on our thinking caps. Here is Pastor Steve. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes which come at the beginning of this wonderful sermon that Jesus gave. We find ourselves Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 through 12. Jesus said these words, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, or in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now these words form the last, the eighth, and the, and the final beatitude given by Jesus in his sermon. And though this beatitude sounds similar to the others, because there is a blessing at the beginning, and there is a reward mentioned at the end, just like all the others, I want you to know that this beatitude is very different than any other beatitude that has gone before it. And it's different in three specific ways. First of all, it's different from all the other Beatitudes because in this one and in this one alone, Jesus elaborated on what he said in his first statement. There's there's an expansion here. There's an elaboration. The other Beatitudes are presented in, in very brief and pithy statements, but this eighth one is given in verse 10, and then it's repeated, it's clarified, and, and it's even applied in verses 11 and 12. That's unique. So instead of mentioning once that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are blessed, Jesus says it twice, said it in verse 11. Now, why? Why would Jesus feel the need 
to expand and repeat this beatitude. Well, imagine what it would have been like hearing this for the first time. Imagine if you're a Jewish person sitting on the shores of Galilee hillside hearing him say this, and you heard him say, blessed are those who are persecuted. And you know what? You would think just like his Jewish audience, that sounds absurd. That sounds absurd. I've heard a blessing. I've heard a persecution. But I've never heard them used together. That sounds silly. And you see the belief that someone who was persecuted and was blessed by God was completely foreign to our Lord's Jewish listeners, completely foreign in their thinking, just as it is to many today. The common belief held by first century Jews was that suffering was a sign of divine displeasure, not of blessing. The view that God-blessed people were slandered and insulted and ridiculed must have just absolutely sounded like nonsense to the people who first heard Jesus say this. And so it's very likely that the Lord repeated this statement about God blessing the persecuted in order to help the people receive it, because it's so radical. In other words, an incredible statement like this has to be repeated twice just for people to get it. They probably thought, say what? Blessing? Persecution? Come again? And so he did come again. And so I think that's the reason he repeated it and elaborated. The second difference that uh, of this beatitude from all the others is that Jesus gave it and spoke it in the third person. Jesus uh, actually, all the other Beatitudes were spoken in the third person, blessed are those. But in this Beatitude, while it begins in the third person, blessed are those who have been persecuted, the Lord changed it in verse 11 to the second person. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, the Lord changed it. Why? Why would he switch from the third person to the second person when he didn't do that in any other beatitude? And I think that the reason is, is that Jesus was emphasizing to his disciples how important this, these truths were about persecution and how relevant it would be for all of them very soon in light of the coming mistreatment they would experience. In other words, it seems that the Lord was personalizing this to the disciples, making it personal so they would see that this truth is of supreme importance. They ought to take this to heart. He was preparing them, and I think it would have gotten their attention by changing from the third person to the second person. A third way that this beatitude differs from the first seven is that this is the only beatitude that says absolutely nothing about a specific character quality. That's different from all the other beatitudes. As you'll recall, the purpose of the beatitudes is to declare that citizens of heaven are different in character makeup than any other people. They're different in, in, uh, as contrasted by religious hypocrites, as Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount. They're different from pagan secularists. That's, that's really the point of the Sermon on the Mount, to say believers are like this, and hypocrites and pagan secularists are not like this. But in the Beatitudes, our Lord is specifically focusing on, on unique character traits that we have as believers in our lives because of his grace in transforming us. This is not uh, intrinsic to our character makeup. We're sinners, but he's transformed us. And there are certain righteous character qualities that are in our lives as a result of our conversion, that inward transformation. And that's why each of the Beatitudes 
that have gone before this focus on a unique character quality found only in the converted. That is until this eighth one. This eighth one doesn't do that. Now watch this. Instead of mentioning any specific character trait like the previous seven, the eighth beatitude states what will happen to us, watch this, because of our character. Because of our character. In other words, persecution, Jesus is saying, will come to those who are beatitude type people. Those who have beatitude type character qualities will experience persecution. Those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn over their sin, those who are gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, and those who are peacemakers can expect to be persecuted. That's the essence of thought of this last beatitude. You see, the reason that Jesus concluded with with this statement, actually these few verses, is because he was impressing upon his disciples that they will be hated and despised because of all the character qualities he's just mentioned in the previous verses. And by doing this, he was teaching that those who have been transformed by God's grace are going to be persecuted because they are so different from the world. Just expect it, don't be surprised by it, and learn how to respond properly. Now, we're going to look more closely at this in a few minutes and and apply it and dig in a little deeper. But for right now, we need to understand that by concluding with this beatitude about persecution, Jesus was just sending a very strong message to his followers that because of their transformed kingdom character, they could expect persecution. That's critical for us to understand. And I'll tell you why. There are some people who read this beatitude and completely miss the point completely missed the point, because they think that Jesus is addressing the subject of suffering or persecution in general, hard times, affliction in general, but he's not. Jesus did not say, blessed are the persecuted. Look at verse 10 again. The key phrase in verse 10 is for the sake of righteousness, the sake of righteousness. In other words, this beatitude isn't merely about being persecuted and being mistreated. It's about persecution that comes as a result of being righteous in character. And folks, I I can't emphasize that enough. And I think this is critical that we understand this because there are some Christians, and I know Christians, who have never grasped this Never grasp this truth. And the reason I say that is because there are some believers, and when I, when I say this, you're going to go, oh, I know people like that. There are some believers who think that they are being persecuted for their Christianity when in reality they are persecuted for failure to live out their Christian faith. Folks like this tend to interpret every criticism directed at them as persecution for their faith. Here's how... Author Kent Hughes sizes and sums this up. He explains why some believers run into trouble with the unsaved. He said, sometimes they are rejected simply because they have unpleasing personalities. They're rude, insensitive, thoughtless, or piously obnoxious. Now, there's a phrase for you, piously obnoxious. And if you're chuckling, it's because you're thinking of someone like this. Some are rejected because they are discerned as proud and judgmental. Others are disliked because they are lazy and irresponsible. He says, incompetence mixed with piety is sure to bring rejection, end of quote. You you understand what he's saying. There There are some people who think that every criticism directed at them is because they're so godly. 
And they, they're so blind to their own sin. So a word to the wise, make sure that you haven't brought on your own troubles by uh, your abrasiveness or, or because you're pushy or because you're just a plain nuisance to people. This beatitude has nothing to do with suffering that comes about by our own sinfulness. First Peter really hammers that home. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing what's right. There, there's no virtue in suffering for doing what's wrong. You deserve to suffer if you do what's wrong. So this final beatitude is really about suffering at the hands of others strictly because of, of godliness. And that's all it's talking about. It's not about suffering in general. Now, as we approach our study this morning, it should raise some thoughts in your mind, some questions that, that you should have about this subject. For example, why should the world hate beatitude-type people? I think that's a very valid question. In other words, why should the world have a problem with those who are humble and those who are merciful and those who are peacemakers. You'd think they want to honor people like that rather than, than scorn them. Another question that, that comes to mind that we need to explore is how exactly does the world persecute us? Do you have to be physically beaten and, and martyred to have experienced persecution? Or does persecution come in other forms and other shapes? Could it come by ridicule? Could it come by rejection? Oh, we're going to see that it can, yes. Another question related to our study is, what should be our response to those who persecute us? Do we feel sorry for ourselves? Should we be angry? Should we retaliate against them? Should we have a grin and bear it stoic response? What, what should we do? Well, these are all valid questions, and they'll be answered as we study this. This will take us more than, than today to dig in and, and pull out all the truths here, but... Uh, what we need to first begin to see is the theme of these verses is that persecution takes place for the sake of righteousness. But the way that Jesus structured his words and organized his words reveals three basic truths he was teaching in this beatitude in the verses that follow. We're going to look at one of the basic truths this morning, and then the next time we study this, we'll look at the other two. But let me tell you, let me lay it out for you. The three basic truths are these. Number one, we're going to look today at the fact of persecution. And there's so much in here that we have to see, but there's a, it's a fact. Number two, we're going to look at the various forms of persecution, the various shapes that it, that it might take. And then number three, we're going to look at the frame of mind needed when we're persecuted. What should be our response? What should be our frame of mind when they come after us? So let's begin by looking at the first basic truth that Jesus taught about persecution for righteousness sake. And it's the fact. It's just simply a fact. Jesus began his remarks about suffering for the sake of righteousness, like all the other Beatitudes, with a matter-of-fact type statement. He said in verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs, and the thought is theirs and theirs alone, is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this actually, this statement actually has three facts. It's a matter-of-fact type of statement, but it includes three facts. Fact number one is that those who acknowledge Christ's kingship are, Jesus said, blessed by God. Blessed are, and, we, and we've studied before, the word blessed doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're happy, but the word blessed, the thought is God approves. These are his people. He smiles upon people like this. These are the people he's transformed. These are his saved ones by, by grace. So the first statement is that, that those who acknowledge Christ's kingship are blessed by God. Second statement is that they will experience persecution for the sake of their righteous behavior. It's a fact. We're going to experience persecution 
for righteousness. And the third fact that Jesus taught is that they and they alone are citizens of his kingdom. Nobody else. If you're a citizen of his kingdom, you will be persecuted. Not all the time, but there will be seasons of persecution. Now, I think a good place to to begin to get into the text is the very word persecuted. What, What does this word persecuted or persecution actually mean? Well, in the original Greek language, it carries the thought of being pursued or being chased or being driven away. So it's an action kind of word. But, you know, words change over the years. Language doesn't stay the same. It picks up connotations and and develops over the years. And, and as this word developed, it came to be associated with any, any type of persecution or any type of unjust treatment. Any type of unjust treatment fits into this word persecuted. So the essential thought of, of the word and concept of persecution is harassment, or as I've heard on the news, harassment. I've never heard anyone but people on the news pronounce it that way, but, but you, you get the thought, harassment or harassment. You can actually translate this beatitude, blessed are the harassed. That's the thought. Jesus was simply saying this, as long as citizens of his kingdom remain on earth, they can expect to be harassed. That's, that's the thought. Now, you know what? The Lord wasn't saying anything new. He wasn't saying anything that hadn't been said before. Maybe, maybe associating blessing with it was new. But the thought of, of being persecuted for the sake of righteousness is found in the Bible from cover to cover. This isn't anything new. In fact, the very first incident of the unrighteous persecuting the righteous shows up in Genesis 4. Right after the fall of man in Genesis 3, you have in, in Genesis 4, Cain murdering his brother Abel. Cain murdered Abel, and that was the first example of an ungodly man persecuting a godly man, a believer. Cain is an unbeliever. Abel was a believer. And you know what? It, it appears that Scripture picks this up and that Cain and his hatred for his brother and his murder of his brother becomes a divine illustration of all persecution of the unrighteous upon the righteous. And I say that because in 1 John chapter 3, that is exactly what John has to say. Let me read it to you. 1 John, I would write this down in your notes, but 1 John 3.11 says this, this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then John says this, and this is a long ways from Genesis 4, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. See, it becomes a pattern. And then John says, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. So John has used the example of Cain to say, don't be surprised. Cain was the first, and he, and he sets a pattern in a long history of persecution. And it's very interesting, Jesus actually used the example of Abel to speak of the righteous being persecuted. This is interesting. I would turn there, if you can, Matthew chapter 23, and I know you can because you're in Matthew's gospel, so you know where it is. Matthew 23, notice verses 34 and 35. Now, in context, Jesus is is reproving and rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes for their religious hypocrisy. And he said in verse, he says in verse 34, therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes, meaning I'm sending into your community 
godly men who are going to give the message of the gospel. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you'll scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. Now notice this in verse 35, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Why is the Lord talking about this? Why is he mentioning Abel and who's Zechariah? Well, you know what? It's very simple. Abel was the first martyr in the Old Testament era, and Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, was the last one to be martyred in the Old Testament era. And our Lord is saying to these Pharisees that, that you killed them. Not meaning, meaning not you directly, but you with that attitude, you unrighteous people are the ones who murdered them. We would say it like this. We would say you're responsible because you hate believers and you killed them from A to Z, Abel to Zechariah. But Jesus is using it more in the terms of, of the Old Testament era. So what he's saying is that from the beginning of time until now, God's people have always experienced persecution at the hands of the ungodly. And you know what? The rest of scripture affirms that, that, that in fact, Jesus will say, and Stephen later will say, which of the prophets did your fathers not, not persecute? And that's absolutely true. The men that we admire today were all persecuted. Moses by Pharaoh, David by Saul, Elijah by Jezebel, Nehemiah by Sanballat and Tobiah. Jeremiah was beaten and thrown into a cistern of mud. Tradition has it that the prophet Isaiah was dismembered by being sawn in, in two. And it's no wonder that Stephen, the first martyr in the Christian era, said to, as I mentioned before, to the men who were about to kill him, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? It killed them all. Or at least they persecuted them all. But it wasn't just high-profile prophets who got persecution. Everybody, every godly person in the Old Testament era was persecuted, not just the well-known ones. You can see this. You don't need to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter 11, our writer tells us after mentioning some of these great men and women by name and the the hall of, of fame of the great men and women of faith, he says in verse 36, he says, and others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These are the unnamed people who we will only know in glory who they were. But these are the rank and file of just Old Testament believers. That's what they experienced. And you know what? Persecution didn't stop when the Old Testament era stopped. Continued in the New Testament. The book of Acts, which is the history, reveals the history of the early spread of Christianity, has at least 56 mentions and instances of persecution in those early years of Christianity. That's amazing. One book of the Bible mentions 56 statements and, and instances of persecution. We know that all the apostles were murdered with the exception of, of John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. And the most prominent of all apostles, the Apostle Paul, actually gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 a glimpse of what it, what it meant to be an apostle, what he went through. We will wait till our next class to discuss those persecutions Paul experienced because our time is getting short today. 
Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and you have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. You will find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. We have not only today's class, but hundreds of previous classes available for download in MP3 format. All of the downloads are free of charge, as is our podcasting service. If you would like to order a cassette or audio CD with Pastor Steve's message in its entirety, give us a call at 727-239-0306. 727-239-0306. If these classes have been a blessing to you, we hope you will prayerfully consider supporting them financially as well as with your prayers. Both are vital to our continued ability to minister to our listeners. For more information, you can visit the website. You'll find a link that will take you to a page with specific information about giving to Verse by Verse Ministries, as well as helpful information about giving in general. That website is versebyverseradio.org. It's natural to think about the vast numbers of people who suffered for Christ during the years described by the Bible, and think that it's a good thing that we live in this day and age, and not, for example, in the first century. However, the 20th century is often called the Age of Martyrs, and the persecution of the saints has not lessened in this century. Most experts agree that more people have died for Jesus in the last 100 years than in all of preceding history. But persecution takes many forms, and if you trust... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.